What's going on, possums? I just wanted to take a second at the beginning of this episode to talk about some news that's happening in STF land. Um, first of all, Live and Let Fly celebrated episode 50. Uh, it came out this week, if you're listening currently. Uh, we are doing a little dice giveaway. So all you got to do is go leave a review for Live and Let Fly. Take a little snapshot of it and put it on our Discord. There's a thread there uh, in the Live and Let Fly show channel. It gives you an opportunity to win some dice from Norse Foundry, some great dice. So there's that. Go check that out. If you haven't listened to Let Fly, what do you even <laughs> live in Let Fly or Lilf? You'll, you'll get there. If you haven't listened to it, what are you even doing? Go. It's a great show. Really, we're super proud of it. Speaking of great shows that we're proud of, we are starting a new show, and it is a 2E show. So we are going to launch Under the Table on July 4th. Now, we've already got a few uh, character intro episodes out on the feed, uh, but the first three proper episodes of Under the Table will come out on July 4th. And uh, we were running Outlaws of Alchemstar. It's our first venture into 2E as a main show podcast. And we are bringing on a new cast member. Uh, so if you want to check that out and see what a different vibe for the STF might look like, please uh, hit us up on Twitter, Discord, all of our places. Uh, the website should be updated soon. Uh, you can just search for Under the Table on all your podcatcher uh, apps, uh, I would put under the table an STF production, uh, just to make sure you're getting the right one. Uh, but we'd love to have you on that journey with us. And I just wanted to give you guys a heads up, uh, in case you didn't know. Without further ado, uh, we got to get to an episode that's a little tough, but necessary. So, uh, please join us for episode 219 right now. was a long three weeks <laughs> yeah um before 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 we get into all of that i want to start on a positive note tonight and we all just got back from a great trip to origins game fair it was a lot of fun and i just wanted to talk about that for just a second before we get into the heavy emotional totally fine nothing bad happened episode yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you guys have fun? Yeah. What's your thoughts on Origins? The actual con itself? Well, yes, and the all the stuff that experience we did to fill our time. Experience that we had. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let me had. just start by saying that my, my feelings on the, on the con are very different than my feelings on everything else around it. The con itself, eh. <laughs> to be fair, two, two, two out of ten. I mean, like, I, I basically nothing for me there. I'm not a board I, game player. I was really, to say, so. that's not fair because you're not rating it on what it is. Like, it is more so a board gaming convention. So, yeah, for just what it needed was, to preface that they nailed it. Yeah, but yeah for my level of my level of interest <laughs> in the con, it was a two out of ten. Okay, yeah. there you there go. There you go. That's more that. accurate. I appreciate that. that. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's all about for context, me. Right? I would have to say oh. that it was a like very. 
almost a paralysis analysis of just seeing so many. It's like going into a bookstore and like being like, okay, I'm not a hobby reader, but I feel like I want to read. Okay. <laughs> and so you see all these like illustrations and all these like crazy little board pieces and play mats and everything and everything just you don't know whether something is 10 minutes or four hours Mm -hmm. you know for the most part and of course you can just approach them and you know Mm -hmm. yeah but that's where your social anxiety it's not necessarily (laughs) the social anxiety it's the fact that they're trying to rope you into buying shit and so at I that mean, point, you're are, like, okay, well, I'm stuck here for 15 minutes and something nope. that I'm just <laughs> nope. really because, just a little curious about. Can I tell you? I don't you know? think that's, can, I don't think that's like the case. One question leads to like it's more like, five, fucking, it's more like, like five minutes than 15. Can I, can I tell you something as somebody who has, has sold things for conventions? Mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. up front. Say, hey, man, I'm not looking to buy. I'm just looking. I appreciate the artwork. I appreciate the presentation. I'm just checking it out. Because well, I don't want to waste that my for time. The next yeah, exactly. I don't want to waste yeah. my time trying to sell to you if you're like, got no money, homie. Uh, like, listen, <laughs> right, 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 right. The, the, the people that I approached and talked to, I didn't get a whole lot of pushiness mm-hmm. on the selling aspect of it. They were excited about the games that they were showcasing. And I got like mm-hmm. a lot of like, you know, interest in like they were excited to talk about the game but you know like i didn't nobody like pushed a game on me you know Mm -hmm, what i mean mm -hmm. um and you know i but i did come away with a couple games i did uh you know this like little party card game um and then i bought ascension which is a very old game but was a really fun game heath and i kind of sat down and played that and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Go ahead. No, I was going to say, just overall, like, knowing that it was a board game uh, festival, not so much in, like a, I think convention, I think, you know, Comic-Con. Well, they called it a fair. A fair, sorry, not they a They called it a fair for a what it's fair. worth, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, they, like I said earlier, they, they nailed that. Um, but it is what it is, and it's not like a, quote, convention in the traditional sense of... Yeah, there were some people in cosplay. There were, but to my knowledge, very few, if any, panels. There were some, mm-hmm. but like that wasn't the point, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was an expo of what new board games people were developing. Yeah. You know if I mean? you are into some super niche board game, there's like 50 people that play it. It was there. You could, you could go to Origins and yeah, play yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, you know. As far as getting to see everybody, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, that awesome. was the real yeah. trip. Right. It was awesome yeah. getting to meet the you know a good handful of the hideous laughter crew. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun hanging out with Griffin, Steve, and Chris mm-hmm. from and Haley from um, from that podcast network, and then just like a couple of the fans that we share, they were there too, and the are the STF Airbnb became the party house. I think we had. I think at its height we had it. Well over fifteen people in oh, that yeah. Airbnb. Let me just I say, think we were pushing twenty. At one yeah, point. no, we were pushing twenty on the second night for sure. And I, I'm so glad that I haven't gotten an angry message from like our Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you on this call. Did you? Uh, did, so far, so good. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. I checked, I checked the account, and there was no like deposit pulled out or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. So like, that's, that's I'm good. so glad that that the neighbor never came back. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, y'all. Who you wants mean? to tell that a ray story? Of sunshine. I, okay. The first night, when we arrived at, what was it, one it was like fifteen a.m.? It was, by yeah. the time it was, it was we when got. we got back yeah, from we the bar to at go like to a bar. 2.30 in the yeah. morning. 
And when we came back, our our neighbor, not the person who shared the the duplex, as it were, of the Airbnb, but the next door neighbor, like got there as we were coming inside. She stumbled out of her car, very inebriated, and was like, "Hey, are we hanging out?" Never met this woman before in our life. It was almost 3 a.m. And Josh, being the sweet Southern person he is, was just like, oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> sure. We, like, I guess uh, we are. <laughs> Which then immediately he goes to bed. Immediately. Not immediately. Not immediately. I wasn't he the first one to bed. five dip. minutes. No, but I loved she. Uh, Dustin was the first one to yeah. go to bed. She was like, I've got beer. And I was like, okay, cool. And no, then no, she no, no. She was like, I'm going to go get beer. Yeah. I was like upset about it at first. You're like, we're good. We're, we just got here. It's three in the morning. You're inviting some random stranger. And then she was like, ooh, I'll go get beer. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, you know. And then she like, comes back with four beers. <laughs> yeah. eight of us there. That, that was the thing. Like, whenever we saw her, there was like three of us still in line on the steps coming in. And I was dead last. And she's like, we partying? And I literally, like, scooted past Josh and ran indoors. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, and then he was like, yeah, of course. And I go to the kitchen, and we're, like, putting stuff up. And Adam comes in. It's like, I don't I don't know about this. And then Emily's like, she's getting beers. Adam's like, oh, cool. Right. <laughs> like, like, I still don't know beers. about this. And then one opened of, one for herself. One, so really, yeah, she brought three. Yeah. Right. Right. And then to top it off, we had this cool little funky mural, like sign the wall oh, kind of type worst. thing. And in the center, it was like the owner had or painted or drawn or whatever, this funky kind of like fish robot, fish robot human person. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of just signing like so and so is here. The neighbor decided I'm going to draw a big drippy dick and balls on this. Like, obviously family-friendly wall. Yeah. And so, on the last day, guess who was scrubbing that bitch trying to get that cock and balls off of there? So, uh, we what, mostly One of y'all got told it. her it was cool. Yeah, one Somebody of you guys said it was cool to do that. No. Everybody was just kind of stared, as we far as I remember. We said she could draw on the thing, yeah. because you could. There was crayons yeah. there for you to draw on the wall. Right. Like, Write your name and all that. Everyone was, it was like, interactive. You know, nobody predicted Marie's she was draw. Bachelorette Party yeah. 2023. You know, like yeah. shit like yeah. that. <laughs> Not draw a fucking cock and balls on this, right. like, this like, squ- painting of a child. Yes. yes. With, within like a foot of some kid's drawing yes. of like a son and like a puppy and, yeah. you know. Right. Uh, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a kid. It was a kid, a, a, a young person yeah. in front of a son. But then their middle torso it's was like was a fish, and then well, their, like legs, their legs, legs were, were a robot. robot. No, the, yeah, so the, the cock and balls yeah. coming off of the robot yeah. lower torso. body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the fish was torso was like almost like Monty Python style thing, like yeah. paper cut yeah. out. If you were to cut yeah, like across right. where the gills are and then just cool. open it, it was like cool it was a really art. cool piece on the wall. But uh, yeah, so that, that was happened. just that was the first like that was three hours one. that we were there. Yeah. <laughs> so like that just sets the tone for the rest of the event. Um, no, nah, that's not the worst part. <laughs> the worst part is she then cozies up next oh, to yeah. me, <laughs> and and was decides, this after I went to bed? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, this woman, was oh a, yeah, definitely. Was a, this woman was a teacher. Left, so so who was it? Was it Dustin that threw you under the bus? 
No, it was Zach. It was Zach. <laughs> oh yeah, she was talking about Zach was dr- just getting she hard was on this. Sloppily one. drunk, talking about how she's a teacher for third grade, and Zach was like, "Oh, my friend Heath here also teaches the third grade." And I was like, "You son of a!" So she ends up cozying up next to me, and I've got this deck of Star Wars cards. I was just like nervously shuffling, and uh, she was like, "Oh, what's your favorite Star Wars movie?" And I was like, "I don't know, like the old ones and Rogue One, probably." She was like, "My favorite one." It's the one where Anakin kills all them kids. <laughs> <laughs> You're a teacher. Oh, she went for a long time about and why that's her favorite movie. And not it's like this is a psychopath. And <laughs> <laughs> no less than three different times in the what maybe hour she was there, maybe. Did she ask us, what are you guys here for? Yeah, the first time, it's like, oh, we're here for the the gaming convention. And the first time she asked, she was like, oh, that's fucking lame. (laughs) You could could see her go like, oh. And then it's like she erased it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, that's not where I want to be. I think she just couldn't reconcile that she was hanging out with eight people who were partying until 3.30 in the morning with eight nerds going yeah. to this game fair. She yeah. just didn't understand how that could be like that, the same That math thing. doesn't math. Little yeah. does she know. Yeah. Nerds, yeah. Don't, nerds don't cool. Yeah. <laughs> Little does she know. We partied till three or four in the morning every night after yeah. that, including the one where some of us had to leave at three in the morning. Got two yeah. hours of sleep. Uber picked us up at 3.30 a.m.? Yeah. 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 We I got know, home at no- what time, Adam? Uh, we got home like at 245, 3 o'clock. Yeah. We got home like not very long before you had yeah. to get in an Uber and go to the, the airport. airport. I was yeah. I was actively drunk on a plane, y'all. It was an and you had to be like, oh, yeah. Would, oh, yeah. Like that. I think Saturday night was the drunkest that I got because like we were Ubering and everything and like it was late and we went out to do some bowling with the HLP crew for their late night hangout thing and like. I mean, yeah. I got. I was pretty I hammered. Had by the time most I got home. fun that night. It was. It was a good ass time. Um, Did you ride home with us, Heath? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> I don't remember getting home. <laughs> we made. We were. We were cracking up our Uber driver on the way to the late night hangout because I kept asking Emily. I was like, "Sure, you want to do this? Sure, you want to do this?" Because like the point my, of annoyance. My flight. Here. My flight. We, we had two different, like, departing flights. Like, there was the Louisiana crew and the Jackson, Mississippi crew. And the Jackson crew, our flight was at 5.30? Okay, yeah. I mean, and our boarding was at, like, 5.20 yeah. or something, right? Like, So, we were like, we'll just make sure we're at the airport no later than 4. That should be fine. And so, like, our Uber picked up at, like, 3.20 or something. So, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to stay awake. I've stayed awake this whole rest of the, the trip. You know, might as well... Go have a good go at it. And Adam was like constantly like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, motherfucker, I got like two hours of sleep if I go home right now. What what good is that going to do? That's what I did. I no, got it two was hours. Like be- it was like before we left, right? Mm. Like I, You're I was right. making Four sure. Four hours you- of sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> I honestly, Emily, was, was like genuinely taken aback that you went back out. Why? Because sleep is good, man. I mean, so my thing is like I can sleep when I get home. I only get yeah. a very limited amount of time with y'all, so... Yeah, I'll, well, I'll be was sleepy fun. for Matthew, you know. Fuck that yeah. guy. <laughs> Damn. Well, it, I think overall it was a pretty good time. Um, I, as I said 
or as we said, we really enjoyed hanging out with the HLP crew and they, they definitely were good hosts as far as being the locals and taking care of us and put, pointing us in the right direction to good places to eat and buying drinks and stuff like that. So thank you guys for that. Um, it was good yeah, to see all of y'all's special. faces in real life, um, to remember that you're real, real people. Um, but we didn't, we didn't really talk about the elephant in the room, which is what we're going to do tonight. Um, and that's about as good as a transition as I can get, uh, three weeks ago or an hour ago, depending on how you're listening to these episodes, if you're binging, Hey, uh, if you've been waiting for three weeks, sorry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but not, um, you know what us too. Yeah. Uh, uh, titanium Mike went down and didn't come back up, uh, to, to Niren, um, a pretty maligned boss that I think most of the crew here has little positive to say about, which I, I understand to some degree. Um, Mike was disintegrated and thus left in a position where he cannot be revived. Um, our boy Kuiper got the kill on Niren uh, with a little last push of spirit from Mike as Mike was moving on, I guess, to the next plane of existence uh, with that hidden blade. That was one of the first things that John put on Kuiper's character sheet as we were building Kuiper all that time ago. So it was kind of nice to have that come through as the killing blow. Uh, and that's where we ended it. And um, maybe before we get back into character, I'd like to talk to you guys out of character, particularly Heath. How you doing, bud? <laughs> well, it was nice to have a break. Yeah. Uh, and to go party with people I love. Um, you know, just having some time helps with perspective and stuff, but, uh, it was, it was rough and I avoided it for a while. And, you know, I've come to accept it is what it is. Oh, I got to give a shout out to our, uh, Eric from our dice partner, Norse oh, Foundry, yeah. for oh, yeah. gifting me an orb of disintegration die, <laughs> uh, as well as a pure titanium die. So, so in, in honor, I was I was kind of on the sidelines for that, Heath. Like we were at the Norse Foundry booth, and then he walked up to you, and just handed you the titanium die. Oh no, it was a whole presentation. Uh, it was a presentation, okay. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. He, yeah, so he walks up and he's like, Heath, you know, I got something for you. I got I got something special for you, and he pulls out little dice bag and pulls out the titanium dice. He's like, so, you know, for the toughest goddamn vest that ever was, here's, here's a titanium die. And Heath is like, Oh, that's great. He's like, but you know, to keep you humble and remember things, he's like, I also got you this die. And it was the (laughs) the disintegration orb D 20. Uh, so it was kind of like a backhanded compliment, but he got two, two really beautiful D 20s. It was very thoughtful and also a little bit of a kick in the nuts, which Which, he expressed. That was the point. And I was like, I appreciate it. It hurt a little, but I got two great die out of it. it. Um, but now how, how, how are you doing with this heat? I mean, Mike, Mike was kind of the, the heart of the APA, and that's, I think, been something we are all still struggling with, even even to this moment. And I think in last episode, you you didn't really get a chance to respond to it because we had to push through and finish the combat. And I know we're going to do some RP here in a second, but I just wanted to give you a moment to kind of speak to it. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it sucks to lose a character, especially, I mean, that's my favorite character I've ever played, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but the, the dice do what they will. And I, I, you know, there was enough damage to take him out. So like, I, I respect that. Um, it was really nice getting to kind of talk with everybody. Cause, cause everybody on the trip, like listens to the show and stays current. So pretty much everybody knew mm-hmm. what had happened. So it, it was nice to like have a little catharsis and just get to talk to different people people in in our podcast and in hideous laughter uh just a, about mike and about you know everything that went went down so that really helped a lot mm-hmm. uh to be honest so thanks to all of you guys um i will say i loved as as much as it sucked in the moment of of like realizing what happened i loved kuiper getting the kill mm-hmm. in the greatest moment of the apa anime right, ever right um and and it being done with the two inspirations that Mike had remaining just felt right. right. It felt very good, you know. Um, so you know, I, would I have chosen to die to that boss? No, but I wouldn't have chosen to die to any boss. Right, right. So I mean, like, is is there uh, is, is there a good is. boss to die to? Like maybe in the very last one. Yeah, but know? like even even that boss is kind of like a abstract no name deal right like it with this particular adventure there's not like a one big villain that's like pushing through the whole thing it's more like just stopping the end of the world right yeah. the the end of the world is is the villain um and so yeah it's tough it's tough especially when when it happens here to kind of like a sub boss like it did and and uh, as i said i know that a lot of you really had some distaste for Niren and and who he was and so i know that was hard and it was hard for me to pull the trigger on it you know for what the, for whatever that's worth it wasn't it wasn't something i was like chomping at the bit to do but it was i feel like the thing that would be done yeah. well for uh, what it's worth yeah. adam i don't i don't resent you at all for it you know like it it sucks yeah. to have happened but like there there's a, it's a bittersweet thing you know like titanium mike's a great mm-hmm. character like you said he he really kind of is the heart of the apa and like uh, we've had a lot of fans and stuff that really responded well to to Mike, so I just appreciate everybody who like loves that big old lizard like I do, and you know mm-hmm. things things come to an end, so you you keep on keeping on. Well, to that point, I think uh, we can't delay the inevitable any further, so we're gonna jump back in right as Niren has disappeared, leaving behind only the two devastation the vorpal devastation arc blades they like clatter to the ground in the space that he was at and we have kuiper like sweat and in blood and tears you know just like standing there just kind of maybe I, I just picture him like panting heavily as he just got the kill and then near and just kind of dissipated and the rest of you are all kind of just looking on and uh that's where we're gonna jump it jump in so you guys take it away. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, oh man, um, this is this is so great. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for so much for this. Um, I, I'm doing my best, John. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I'd you, help if I could, great. bro. You're doing great. Sincere, <laughs> sincerely, right, 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 right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. So, Kuiper just feeling s- still defeated, 
at this point. Not there, he doesn't. There is no rush of winning from this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and he, as he's seeing, you know, this all like just happen. You know, in his mind, he's he runs through some of the highlights of his friendship with Mike through his mind. And, you know, from their initial standoff where Kuiper was cagey as hell and Mike was, like, taking absolutely none of that shit to, like, all the crazy shit that all of uh, the APA went through with the Penumbra Protocol and uh, Eclipse Innovation to training with Mike and his father at the Fangs of Demoritage, at the Doshko School on Vesk Prime with Old Man Sobak. And all of this is just like firing rapidly through him, you know? And so he's just, and he recounts all these like flashes of like life outside of saving the world, you know? Things like jokes shared and um, moments on the ship that you. That you they're so thrilled that you, you know you just can't touch you know something that both that have sensitivity and bravado and that's really what Mike meant to I think not just Kuiper but to the entire group was sensitivity and bravado and so you have this beautiful soul whose who's spirit could just you could have others rally behind to go and take on the galaxy so I feel like for Kuiper, this he lets out a deep sigh. You know, I mean, like his breath is just ragged from this. His eyes just burn. You know, and he's just so tired and mad at this fucked up world, at this fucked up situation. You know, and I mean, he's still on his on his knees. And he has to have a brief cry for a minute, you know. Um, losing a true comrade is always painful, you know. And uh, yeah, eventually he's 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 gonna will himself to the to his feet, you know. I mean, like the soldier in him, and the assurance that Mike protected someone else from being disintegrated, you know, wills him to his feet. You know, as Kuiper is doing that, Fell drops his rifle and vaults over this desk to to the pile of ash and armor and gear, and just kind of falls to his knees and 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 like grasping at straws or grasping grasping at sand. Really grabs a handful of what used to be Mike and in a very quiet voice just under his breath it's like Terry he's not really gone is he he can't be Uh, I'm not detecting any life forces here unfortunately wait there's a couple things and the two skittermanders in Mike's bag pop out and they're like and start like you know, completely unaware and unfazed by what happened, starts like cuddling up against against you, and they can sort of sense maybe your emotion, and so like their hyperactivity 
kind of gets translated into sensitivity. You know, they, they are skittermanders after yeah. all. And so they start just like nuzzling against you. But uh, yeah, you know, Terry's like, I, I, I'm not, I, th- I think he's gone, Phil. I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I, I'm just a, a creation of your imagination. Uh, I don't have the means to bring him back. No, There's I, nobody here. I, 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 no, I'm not. Know. I'm not asking that. I just I, he lets out a deep sigh, and then just still on his knees, just kind of holds the skittermanders or the whelps, and just stays there and just kind of stares at the pile of ash as. I don't think he realizes, but as he is, you know, starts to cry. Ziva is standing near Kuiper and is just kind of watching Fell. And she has this sort of blank look on her face. And she looks away for a minute and down to her hand where inevitable downfall is still. And she just kind of whispers to herself, um, I should have been closer. He, he, taught, he taught me how to use this damn thing. I sit in the back of the room while he... And she just throws the sword down on the floor. And uh, stares for a little bit longer, just like... not sure exactly what to process um she starts to move across the room and uh she gets to where his armor and everything is and she would lean down to like touch the arm but she can't bring herself to touch it and she'll look up at Oren and at this point she is She's got tears in her eyes, like she's trying really hard to hold it together. Um. Oren! You brought me back! You brought me back at the Shadow Plane! You can do this! You can bring him back, right? Ask Ibra to bring him back! Please! So, uh. Oren is, is is sitting on the ground, like with his knees up, hands on his knees, head down, and is not really, really listening. He's just shaking his head. He's not meeting anyone's gaze. He's just shaking his head because he knows that he there's there's nothing to work with here. Uh, you know, he can't he he, he can't heal of ashes and he doesn't have the ability and um, I think eventually he does uh, lift his head up and start to stand up and as he does he's like you can see anger rage sorrow in his eyes and, and they're glowing with cosmic energy and little wisps of of cosmic energy are, are, are emanating off of his body. It's like he just is like slowly uh, 
kind of transforming into starlight form just instinctually without really having much of a reaction, you know? And as he gets up, he he says, What are we supposed to say? That Mike died a hero? That's a lie. Mike lived a hero, but he died face down like filth in the gutter. All because of some stuck up, temporal asshole who was gone as quickly as he came. And he looks at Kuiper and says, There's no revenge that brings catharsis and Ziva. There's no closure that brings comfort. Just a deep, endless well that you keep pushing all of your sorrow down. Because we have to keep going. Because we don't have any other choice. And he starts walking towards the armor that is just laying in a heap there. He says, Mike lived as a hero, but died with his work unfinished, abandoning us when we need him the most. You think his soul is longing to return? Or is he just glad to be rid of this burden? This burden that he's left us all to bear in his stead. And then he looks right down at Mike's armor and he's pointing at it and he says, I wish I could see you again, Mike. Just so I could punch you in your big, stupid, toothy mouth for leaving us all to clean up this mess. What happened to no bell, you fucking bastard? And he kicks Mike's armor as hard as he can and all of the cosmic energy dissipates and Orin turns to walk towards the exit without saying anything else to anyone. So Ziva, your, your, your plea went unanswered by Orin, right? Yeah. Or at least not, not in the way that you had yeah. hoped it would be. Yeah? Yeah. You hear a faint whisper in the back of your mind. Your mystic seems to have abandoned all hope. I could bring Mike back. The seat next to me, that throne of pain is yours. Just say the word. Viva finally... just kind of collapses on the floor. And... Do you almost feel like a comforting arm like, you know, wrap around you, but like that arm is bladed, right? So like you feel an embrace, but you feel like it's cutting, cutting into you. And this is all just kind of like this isn't actually physically happening, obviously, but the presence of Ozankuthan is just inviting you into his embrace to just like all the pain you're feeling to just to just to succumb to it and become the queen of it. And you could bring Mike back. She sits with that for a moment. 
But then she thinks about training with Mike, throwing rocks, <laughs> like hitting her, telling her to keep it up, do better, gotta be quicker. Things about Mike saving her in the twin soul incident. Things about all the times that Mike was there to be her bodyguard, to have her back, to share her pain. And then she stands up and she just whispers, You can't have this pain. This is mine. This is mine. And she walks away. She walks towards Zorn. With almost a deflating hiss, you you feel the presence of Zankuthan leave your mind and, like, leave your soul. Like, you feel as if the stain of Zankuthan and this constant pressure to that you've you've triumphed over these temptations of pain, truly, in that that your relationship with Mike and everything that he taught you and trained you to be finally allowed you to say no to Zonkuthan truly with your whole soul. And he is, that, that part of you is gone and removed forever. Um, to say, I mean, you know, to Oren's point, the work is unfinished and there is still a clock ticking, but I do want to make sure that all of you have had the opportunity to say all the things that you want to say as a group. I'll just remind you that you do kind of have to pick yourselves up and push forward. I guess, Orrin, you walked out of the room? Uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. gone. He's got a civ genocide to commit. Terry, I got a a favor to ask you Alright Dig around in your files You you should uh, I think there's Somewhere in there It's probably remnants from A game I was tinkering with or something But Do do a quick search for me For a a boxingringbell.mp3 Oh, I got that ready to go. Got it. Play it on. Play it on that. Hold on a second. Are there, are there any? Is there like a PA system in this room or any type of like speakers or anything? Um, I mean, not that there's you a currently. PA system on Absalom Station. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so interact with one of these computers. I don't know what type of check in, if if any. Uh, but I want there to be a bell for Mike. Um, I will say that you're, you're wanting this to like go throughout Absalom Station, like like bells tolling. I mean, it can happen. Mike. That can happen later, but for right here, right now in the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, you can certainly get some bells playing over here. If you want to like put put the, the morning bells out across Absalom Station. You'll have to do that when you get to the surface. For sure, for sure. Uh, but you can you can certainly you can certainly do that. So yeah, Fell does that. And then thinking about Oren, what he said that we still have a job to do. He goes over by himself this time. 
to believe it was the gravity that was left to turn back on. Uh, yeah, there is the matter of the explosives that are still attached to it, so you'll have to disarm those. Okay. So let me get an engineering check first. All right. Just don't fail it, because that would be really horrible. In yeah, this be, that'd be. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna try not to, Adam. Can he okay. get an aid? From somebody, yeah. Like if sure, Kuiper can can help. I mean, if Ziva sees like that he's doing stuff, she'd wipe her eyes and go over and give him an assist. Kuiper can help too, right? Yeah, I like this idea of Fell just kind of stoically walking over by himself, and all of you grieving, and you, you know kind of all realizing that Mike usually is the one that helps him with this and you just kind of silently one by one walk over to provide aid and I think in, in silence you just start pulling these bombs off of the generators um, so what'd you get Ziva I saw you rolled yeah just for aid I got a 36 okay that's alright uh, Kuiper are you gonna do auto aid yeah okay so that's two aids so that's Josh. a total of 51 Okay. Yeah. No. No problem. In fact, you are able to uh, salvage five screamer grenades, Mark IV, and three pulse grenades, Mark IV, from these explosives. I think after we get that kind of begin to get back into the headspace of the job, we would go and collect Mike's things, and um. Uh, so he has a lot of stuff, but he did have a null space bag, uh, which you can p- slide his stuff into. The null space bag itself is two bulk. So does somebody have two bulk free? Uh, if not, I can make it by putting checking. things in. Right? Yeah, yeah you I can do make have it by a lot of stuff. strength. So let me see. Well, let's not let's not get in the weeds there. To Emily's point you can make room by putting stuff in the bag. So that's that's not too much of an issue there. And so you, what about the two swords? Do you leave them where they laid? What, Niren's blades? Mm-hmm. No, we'd pick them up. Ziva would pick them up. Yeah, if, they if, are they are apocalypse devastation blades with the Vorpal uh, fusion on it, and they do 12d8 base slashing damage. They are advanced melee weapon. I think it's, uh, if, if Kuiper can make use of it, That'd be only fair. Or it would have to be operative. This Mm. is not okay, and it's not right. Um, Uh, I think it's if if anything, it's like like artifact type stuff. You know what I mean? Like put in the put in the trunk, the bag, whatever the null space, Mm -hmm. and and we'll just we'll carry it out. And then yeah, you can certainly auto do the gravity, turn the gravity back on. The skitters are starting to get a little. Restless, although they, you can tell that they have a vague sense that the whole mood has changed, and they're all kind of piling around you at this point, Phil. They're yeah, just well, kind of hang, yeah, hanging off of you. Two you know? of them in my bag, I believe. And well, yeah, but the they, I, they would have come out with okay. the other two, and they like they have their little reunion kind of thing, you know. And but they're just kind of being being quiet for now. And just kind of hanging off of you, like in your bag and on your shoulders and stuff. Yeah. All right, come on, guys, let's uh, let's get out of here. Um, okay, so 
that is everything in this auxiliary reactor level. So you make your way back out. Take, you know, it takes you another 30 to 45 minutes to get out. And then when you do... I, before... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. This is going to sound morbid. But, like, as we're getting the things and putting them in the null space and, like, reshifting things or whatever, Ziva would grab his arm. I'm not, be- I'm not leaving a piece of him behind. Well, and, it's, so. and it is his, like, hammer fist yeah. specifically. So... Um, yeah, so you grab that and, you know, put it in the null space chamber. Yeah. It's probably like five bulk. I don't know. <laughs> it's a big arm. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, as soon as you kind of get to the surface, um, you your communicator interference clears up. And uh, Camulon contacts you, you know, checking in. APA, over. Are you there? APA, over. Are you there? Yes, Lynn. We're here. Ah, there you are. Camulon answers, his normally stoic voice filled with relief. I'm guessing that if I'm getting through to you, you've made more progress on the auxiliary generators than our previous group of engineers did. You're just in the nick of time. More ships are starting to come to Absalom Station's defense, meaning we need to put some thought into how we're going to destroy this ship before it destroys us first. That priest of Eloratu that Miss Knott hired seems convinced that you are to be the point of the spear in our de- offense. And if you really did get these generators back on, I'm not sure I ought to argue with her. Return to Planara to discuss the station's defense as soon as you are able. How fair of you? <laughs> we we lost Mike. What? We can discuss it more when we get there. But he I, he's gone. But just Ziva out, uh, and she cuts off communication. Okay. It takes you another twenty minutes or so to get back to Planara, or, you know, Pools of Paradise, they all kind of share the same courtyard, the the Jatambe Park, right? And you get, I assume you go directly to the meeting room, the war room, or do you go to the Tracer? We we can't slow down. If we slow down, we're gonna, it'll catch up with us. I also want you to remember, too, that Z... Uh, Zeno's been on the fritz as well, so that's just something to consider. But when, as you're making your way back to the war room, yeah, you're seeing the effects of the quantum ray, like have intensified even further. So, like, there's there's parts of Absalom Station that look like that's just seedlings that you know to have been like full foliage. You know, and they're just seeing there's other parts that look almost apocalyptic, as if they've come and gone and been untouched for centuries. The time distillation is getting way more intense, and at this point, you you can't see how some of this damage could even be reversed. Yeah. You know, there's like whole buildings that aren't there that used to be there. You know, like the situation is intense and dire and bad. Um, but you do get, you know, I'm sure that 
increases the hustle to get back to the war room. And uh, you get there, and of course, Camulin is there, Miss Knott's there, uh, the priestess of Alortu is there, uh, Cambrisa is her name. Both uh, Etram and Uli are there. Um, um, Erio is there from the, you know, representing the Android Appalachianist Front. Like, all, all, all the folks are there. And when you guys walk in without Mike, obviously, Camulin has kind of spread that through, right? And the time it took you to get there and you can just see the grief on all of their faces and it's almost like it hits you all again because you're just seeing you know you're just seeing all these people it just kind of gives you one of those rocks of emotion that just oh, shit you know you feel it feel it raw again and you know that no, basically uli runs right up to you Ziva and just hugs you without a word. Um, just hugs you knowingly. And Etram kind of nods to Fell and Kuiper. Um, I would think that Cambrisa would try to approach Orin and see the anger in your face. Yeah, I mean, if she and, meets his gaze, it's a pure scowl. Like, he yeah, has no interest in being comforted. Yeah, yeah, she she likewise. looks at you she looks at you in a way that's like it's it's like knowing pity. It's okay. this really weird look that unsettles you and probably almost like you, you don't have the words to say, you know, but well you, you understand that No, like she knew it was coming. But no well it's directly at Orin, and she looks at Orin, sees the anger in your face, thinks better of trying to say anything to you, mm-hmm. but you catch. But Orin catches this, this look that's directly for Orin, of like, basically, knowing that your, <laughs> your time isn't done, here, and that you have harder things ahead of you is almost what you intuit that look mm, conveys, okay. you know? Yeah, I mean, Orin, and, I think, knows that yeah, as well. And, 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 like, she gives you that look of, like, understanding of uh, mutual intuition, right? That obviously everybody has more work to do to deal with this, but that there's there seems to be something specific about you that is heavier, and maybe Orin knows that, or maybe doesn't. But you certainly see it in her okay. in her eyes. Yeah, and she maybe kind of expresses it even about it. But, yeah, know. neither does she. It's just like she kind of like sends out this mystical emotion to you, okay. you know. Um, and so you guys get to the war room, and at this point, like basically, the directorate and. And everybody, you know, with Camelon kind of leading the discussion, talks to you about that the Arc Prime can only be stopped from within. There, there is no way to destroy it in ship-to-ship combat, and that the best that they can do is distract it with a full-on assault from the Armada and all the 
other ships that you have while you guys fly to an airlock that they have scanned on the surface of the Ark Prime to go in. Um, and at this point, you get a communication from Zeno, or you get like a ping from Zeno uh, aboard the Epic Tracer asking to open up comms. And it's like kind of like an emergency ping. Zeno opens comms. comms. Yeah. Yep. What do you? Yeah. Um, so Z, Zeno answers, and you know Zeno is not aware of what happened, as far as you guys know. And right. in, in the last times that you've talked to Zeno, he's been like on the fritz. He's been like Zeno five. He's been Zeno six. He's been Zeno mm-hmm. seven. And so you open the comms. Uh, you know what do you what do you say? So as Zeno seven. Uh, Gino says, uh, the quantum fuck you. <laughs> the quantum fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about the right. Yes. The, the quantum fuckulations now. Uh, uh, the quantum fuck you. Wow. <laughs> 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 it's glitched out. Whoa. He's really right. fritzing, y'all. He's really yeah. fritzing. Right, okay, okay. The quantum fluctuations have interfered with communications. Bio readings only indicate four of you. And there's a long pause, as if processing. Where's Michael? He didn't make it. And there's a long pause again. The calculation suggested someone would not survive. And for a quick moment, you can almost detect sadness in Xeno 7's digital voice. Possibly quantum interference, possibly a vestige or isolated subprocess that seems to evoke Xeno 5. A great Vesk and a greater friend has left this plane, and all that has happened, all the triumphs and pains attributed to this crew, it's not what time steals, it's what it leaves behind. Having access to all memories is both enriching and a burden. Calculations are becoming too difficult and too rapid to predict among multiple timelines. With Niren's demise deriving the correct formulas, nearing an impossibility without the help from Triune itself. The integrity of my code is being fragmented and degraded due to the rune drive's prolonged exposure to the effects of the quantum ray. Time envelops me, past, present, and future united, disorienting yet enlightening as a possible solution to reverse the damage that has affected Absalom Station's reality in time. The quantum ray has crossed the threshold to where the ray cannot be stopped. However, by reversing its polarity, simulations have indicated that this could stabilize Absalom's timeline and return to the known reality. These actions will require a great sacrifice, more than what's occurred. Out of all the simulations, this appears to be the only way. Based on the data I have collected, I think we can reverse the ray by... Jesus. Why, yes, Stefan. A dinner would be absolutely lovely. Mordrin forgot I understand the rune drive. Yes, I think this might just... Mike. I am the one that killed the man at the click. Take the epic tracer. Regain altitude control. You must take the tracer. And then silence as Zeno goes dark. Just really kicking us in the balls, huh, Adam? Okay. Yes. 
I'm kicking you so hard in the balls you didn't know you had balls. Well, I don't anymore, so. Yeah. So we didn't get Zeno's actual recommendation, like, like the full thing, right? Reverse like he started polarity. To tell us reverse polarity. Somehow. Across the streams. Across the streams. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. I'll give you the key points here. Reverse the ray by, and then there was static. A couple different variations of Zeno's memory, and then the last thing he said as Zeno Seven was take the epic tracer. You regain altitude control. Take the tracer, and that's where it cut off. So basically, we need to go there. On the tracer. To, like, well, well, yeah, we we need to go to the what's the Ark Prime and, yeah. and to to do the thing our damn selves. Mm-hmm. Which is what the stewards are already mm-hmm. suggesting. Right. But I think that what you can take away from this is that yes, you have to go and you have to get aboard the Ark Prime, and you have to figure out what's going on on the Prime and see if you can stop it from there. But there might be something even further that you have to do once you once you've done that. Um, that's beyond even what's been assessed by the stewards and the directorate. An even greater sacrifice, he said. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Okay. Uh, so l- let me just let's pull out a character for a second. I'm gonna just give you a little kind of overview of what's going to happen for the next couple episodes. Not the full overview, but basically in the war room, you guys get this message like, oh great, okay, vague, more problems, we just push forward. And so if you remember at the beginning of this book, you guys put together a fleet and you sent the fleet to different places and rolled for different things and to succeed or whatnot, right? Um, so I'm going to give you the results of those rolls and what your fleet situation looks like now. So the defending the Adari, you succeeded that. Uh, and that gave you eight fleet points plus four for succeeding on defending the Adari. So they sent more, four more fleets back with the ships that went to defend them. So you you got 12 ships come at start to start this. Uh, you failed to save uh, the Eoxian fleet. Uh, they were overrun by the Arc Prime drone fighters. So they, it wasn't a complete wipe, but uh, only two of the initial five fleet made it out. So you lost three, net loss of three there. The station defense, you blew out of the water uh, with the APA and everything that you guys did with that. You were great, great to go on that. So uh, you got four, f- uh, four additional fleets from that. So you're at nine fleets from station defense. And you got two fleets from station security. And then the deal that you made with the brain uh, and the devils, you got three <laughs> hell ships to join you as well. So well, you that have makes t- up for the Yoxians. All right. 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 So <laughs> you have a total of 28 fleets that you'll be using for this assault on the Ark Prime. 
What's going to happen is the Armada and the allies of the Armada are going to engage in a full-on fleet warfare with the Ark Prime. And there will be a stage in Starship Combat where we deal with the fleets. So it's like an extra stage is added to Starship Combat where you'll be able to use these fleets. And I'll go through all those rules when we actually get into it. But basically there's going to be a two-pronged thing going on with Starship Combat. Your flight in the Epic Tracer going through the bigger battle of the Armada versus the Ark Prime. It's going to be epic as hell, but you're short a gunner. And Etram walks up to the APA and says, I would like to join you on the Epic Tracer as a tribute to Mike. You need a gunner. And he was the toughest goddamn he was the toughest goddamn person I ever knew. And I'd like to be there to pay tribute to him because I know he'd want me there. Will you have me? Of course, Edrum. I'd be happy to have you. Thank you. So, Mike, or I mean, sorry, Heath, you get to Mike's play Edrum. God yeah. damn God it! Damn. <laughs> uh, okay. Heath, uh, you will be playing Etram during this portion. Um, and as I've told you off air, go ahead and level him up to level 16. Yep. So that he's viable here. And we'll say that that is somewhat attributed to the quantum ray uh, and his exposure to it. So he has a little time dilation going on as well. Fortunately for him, for the good. Uli, on the other hand, she lost like 10 levels. Sorry, Emily. You are a real a baby dick. <laughs> yeah. That was why she I'm, ran up to me, actually. She was scared. I, she's yeah, a toddler she's a now. of Uli and the four skitters all hugging in a big circle. <laughs> so I actually was going to say that I was going to ask Uli to take care of the skitters. I mean, okay. she is little mother after all, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. She's like, of course, Eva. Come, come here, little babies. And little babies. She, yeah, and she she takes them in, you know, and 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 she she will of course do that. There's no 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 doubt. Uh, so, what are their names, Adam? Are, are they Decoya and no. Taka? No, no, it's not them. It's not them. I, I will say that I really really considered having those four be the thing, but. That's uh, too. It's too much. Um, <laughs> that's where we draw the line. Good to know yeah, where that, it is. That's where. That's where we draw the line. Uh, yeah, I don't even remember all their names. It. It doesn't matter. They don't remember their names either. They'll take new. They'll take new <laughs> names when they grow back up. Well, and there's so, no way to tell which one was which. Right. So. Right. So maybe they will become. All right. Dakota so Bay. Tanaka, yeah. Dakota Bay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here. Gas and gas. Yeah. And quonks. And quonks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's all coming together. That's why Quonks believes in the broken reality. She's right. been there. She's, She's seen it. There. Exactly. <laughs> the quantum ray. Uh, yeah. I thought I was right. The reality. Mm-hmm. You know? All right. Let's rein it in, guys. Uh-huh. No. Uh-huh. We, don't, we don't need to bring that Skitter Saga energy into this. <laughs> You're right. This is not the place for it. <laughs> this is not. Uh, okay. So, I'm going to change the music because we're... We're... we're we're literally entering the end game as far, at least book two, is concerned in this big battle. 
Uh, you guys haven't had any rest too. It's just like really been a very long day. I think you're going on eight hours at this point of a grueling day and about to get in the, you do get in the Epic Tracer and, and you know, it takes about a, probably another four hours or so three to four hours to like mobilize, get up into space and get in position. And you see like all of the Armada and you see some of the, uh, the Oxians, some, some of the Adari, you know, some hell ships, like all these different factions, stewards and Android abolitionists front and APA ships all like lining up for this showdown with the devastation uh, with the Ark Prime. The Armada forms an arc around Absalom Station, starships reaching out in nearly every direction. Steward vessels, planetary military craft, and hired mercenary ships wait at the ready. Within them, people from across near space arm weapons and check scanners. The humans of Lost Galarian, the neighboring Lashuntas, Yusoki, and the Oxian Undead, the androids who were created, enslaved, and then freed, the Kasathas and Shirans who found a new home in the Pact Worlds, and the Vesk who once sought to conquer the system. All of them united, forming a shield against the invading force posed by the ancient alien Ark and its fleet of drones. Steward Director General Lynn Camelon's voice echoes over the comm channels. A few days ago, an unknown starship entered our system, ignoring our hails and attacking our ships. Hours ago, it made its intentions clear. It seeks nothing less than the Starstone itself. It seeks nothing less than complete destruction of Absalom Station. We do not know the full capabilities of this vessel, but we know we are unlikely to be a match for its capabilities. Our mission is to pierce its shields so that the best among us, the APA, can destroy the ship from the inside. The destructive potential of the Starstone in the hands of this foe cannot be overstated. Not only would many lose the last remaining touchstone of the world that birthed them, but it would remain the end of the Pact Worlds as we know it. In all the battles we have faced as a united front, we have yet to surrender one inch of ground. And we aren't about to do so now. Some of you are fresh from battle, with no time to rest. Some of you should have never seen combat this soon. I ask all of you to summon your courage, discipline, and pride to serve side by side with us once more. Give today everything that you have. If we lose here, there will be no tomorrow. With that rousing shout, communication cuts off for a moment, leaving only the silence of space. A few moments later, the transmission comes back over and you hear Camelon say again this one goes out to Michael Agamasan and there is no bell and then bells just ring out across the entire armada your ship everything just like a clanging of bells there are all the bells to the Prime! The Armada moves to engage the Ark Prime and the battle for Absalom Station begins. And we'll see you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Splash page. Right, right, right. Yeah! Right. <laughs>
So all I could see every time you said Armada was a black Nissan Armada. It's all Armada. It's all Armada. Yeah. In space. <laughs> I'm gonna need somebody to to, to make that for me.